0: Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at infothedistrict.church? At
1: And You guys can go ahead and have a seat. At this time, we're going to dismiss the kids. And so if you are a kid in this room, truly a kid, not just thinking you're a kid, but if you're a kid in this room, you can be dismissed out the back with Matt and Jordan Sherman for kids class. Good morning, church. How are we doing? We are excited this morning to to be able to celebrate our fifth anniversary. And and that is a big deal uh, because 80% of church plants... Uh, Don't make it past three years. And so uh, we, we constantly kind of in the church planting world say to one another as church planters, we have another Sunday coming up. And so that's just kind of the way that we think about the faithfulness of God is that we just kind of go week by week as we are planting the church, but ultimately trusting in Jesus building his church. And that's what we've been doing over the last five years is just trusting Jesus at what he has been doing. In and through each one of our lives, as he is connecting us to one another, as he's uh, engaging us with one another, as we are diving into each other's lives so that we get to know one another and be known by each other, uh, to just continue to do one thing and one thing only, and that's point each other to Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating today, is not just five years that our church still exists, but five years of pointing one another to Jesus and just trusting in Him on a daily basis. And not only trusting in Him on a daily basis, but sharing Him with those around us. And sharing Him with one another so that we get to celebrate the fact that we've had six baptisms this year so far. And that He is continuing to just reveal Himself to one another. And so five years is, is just not a tooting of our own horn that, that we still exist, but a tooting of the horn of Christ And just making much of him and that we have been holding on to him for five years and that hopefully for the next five years, we will continue to hold on to him and just anchor ourselves to him and just abide in Jesus. And it's a pleasure for me uh, today also to invite up Chris, you can go ahead and come on up here. Uh, a special guest. And as I was kind of thinking and praying through our fifth anniversary, um, I I knew this was going to be one that I wanted to share. And it was just that Chris has become such a dear friend to me over the years. He's a pastor of Redeemer Bloomington, uh, a church down in Bloomington, Indiana. He's also another faithful pastor in one of our church planting networks, Harbor Network. Uh, But more than that, has become a friend. We've Uh, shared both mentor and friend before in the past, and and at the same time, we've shared incredible joys and incredible griefs uh, with one another as we've walked through church planting and life together, and uh, and I know several people that are a part of our church have been a part of Redeemer in um, Bloomington, and because of that, we've kind of always said to Chris and Crystal that indirectly, they've helped plant this church with the people that have come out of Redeemer Bloomington, and so we're just grateful for our relationship with you guys grateful for our partnership with their church and uh, just grateful to have you come and share uh, the good word with us this morning and so Chris Jones give it up for him even though we know that doesn't mean anything but (laughs) we're thankful for Chris I'm going to pray for him and then we'll uh, get started father thank you so much for again your goodness and your faithfulness to us And we thank you for this time right now as we get to open up your word and we get to hear from you. I mean, that's one of the the best things that we get to do when we gather together is hear from you and what it is that you have for us to be able to hold on to your son, Jesus, and to continue lifting him up and making much of him in all that we do. And so let this time continue to be all about Jesus as Chris opens up the Bible to us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks, brother. It's a joy to, to be with you all and happy birthday to the district church like the five years is is a huge milestone for for the life of any church uh and so you should be full of just excitement and joy to celebrating god's faithfulness to you over these past five years and uh, it's a joy to get to be with you today uh as Dwayne said my name is chris uh, i'm a pastor down in bloomington redeemer church uh i might know if you want some stories about ransford just come see me later and i'll, I'll give you some but uh uh, my wife Crystal's here with me. We have three kids: uh, Seth, Leah, and Levi. They're 19, about to turn 17, and 13, which means uh, yeah, I'm one of the old guys in uh, Harbor Network, uh, pretty much at this point. Uh, and so, but uh, joy to be with you. Uh, another thing that I want to encourage you, and I can say these things. This isn't my church, Uh, but another thing I want to encourage you to do uh, to celebrate is also to celebrate uh, your pastor, Dwayne, his wife, Kelsey, uh, the faithfulness uh, of them over the past five years, just um, planting this church, Uh, following God's call, and and just, uh, obviously, I know it takes a lot of people to to do something like this, but... uh, but definitely to, to honor them, give thanks to God's faithfulness and, and just blessing you some great leaders. And, uh, you know, uh, when this pastor appreciation month or, you know, or, you know, whatever, you should, you know, send a lot of encouraging notes and, and also just bless them with a wonderful treat, night out, night away, whatever it might be. Uh, I encourage you to do that. See, I can't ever say that in my church, but I can say that in somebody else's church. And so I will. Um, anyway, well, when... Uh, Dwayne asked me to preach for this occasion, you know, I, I had a lot of thoughts. Our church will celebrate our, our ninth birthday uh, this September, and so just thinking back a few years ago to what where we were at, uh, year five, and kind of some of the thoughts and things we're kind of thinking through, and, and particularly thinking also on the fact that when we turned five, uh, this past year has been a year like no other, right, it's just an incredibly difficult year on everyone, uh, and, and particularly tough on churches, and especially I think a lot of younger churches Uh who, who already face so many challenges, just getting started in so many ways, and then you throw in a, a worldwide pandemic and all that, it just makes it even more complicated. And, and I know that while you have to be joyful uh, to celebrate this milestone, there's also a reality that probably many of you are, are really weary too, uh, weary from this past year, weary from just all that goes in. So you know Some of you serving so faithfully every week in all these different ways to make this church happen. Uh, and so uh, uh, I'm assuming that there's got to be a little bit of a mix of, of both joy and a little bit of weariness at the same time. Um, and and it's, it, it's a very biblical thing to stop and pause and reflect and kind of uh, have a memorial marker of here we are, five years. What a joy, what a gift that God has been faithful to get us to this point. Uh, and, and That's a very appropriate thing. But there's, but there's also reality that despite our weariness... We're also still called to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to keep following after Jesus and faithfulness after him. Uh, and so I wanted to both encourage you today uh, to keep pressing forward, living on mission that, that God's called you to here in Indianapolis, while at the same time reminding that you must do so from a place of resting in, and abiding in Christ. And so we're going to take a look at, at John fifteen five 5 today, uh, if you want to go ahead and, and turn there in your Bibles. But pastor once... Uh, Said, uh, gave this illustration, right? That life is kind of like a, a a down escalator, right? It's like a down escalator. So if you went over to the fashion mall here, uh, you know, we 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 stopped by there last night, you know, because uh, our mall's dead, um, <laughs> in Bloomington. But I don't know, maybe that one will be too. I don't know. But anyway, but you know, the escalators in there. So imagine yourself, your your food court there. You're trying to make your way up the escalator, but you're 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 going up the down escalator. So it's pushing it back against you. Life is like that. It's like trying to go up the down escalator. You need to make your way up to the second floor of the building so you have to fight hard to keep moving and, and keep going and to get there. But what happens if you just stop? You stop making any effort at all? Right? You just go right back down to the bottom. Right? That's, that's how life works. You know, it, 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 It's like that in so many ways. I took pictures of... of in uh, my college years uh, and followed you know, two years in high school of, of French and uh, you know and then after I graduated college uh, many years ago I'm gonna make a little mic switch here. We'll do that. I'll I, I roll with it. Got me here? So I took those uh, four semesters, two years of French and then after I graduated college I uh, I went down, I'm also loud so I'll just be loud if I need to be. Um, I I went on a a month-long mission trip to uh, Africa, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which speaks Swahili and French, and so after about five weeks, a month there, uh, and all that training in French, like I couldn't say a whole lot still, but I was starting to understand a lot. I felt like I was doing pretty good with my French and it was growing and everything. And then I came back from that trip uh, in like July of 1998, so that was a long time ago, And I haven't done a thing with French since, right? You want to know how good my French is today? It's absolutely terrible, right? It's horrible. Uh, In fact, we've taken our church, take some mission trips most years to uh, Brazil. And so my Portuguese is much better today than my French is. And that's not saying much because I could basically say like, hello, how are you in Portuguese? And that's it, Um, right? It it just, you, you stop using it, it leaves you. Uh, what about like your, your workout routine, right? If, if you're in exercise, maybe you, you, you stop, you get out of that routine. What happens? Well, those miles that you used to run are suddenly a lot harder to run. Uh, the weight that you used to lift or whatever is, is a lot harder to lift the same weight. It, those things, they just kind of, they leave you if you quit at it. Why? Because life is like that down escalator, right? Our bodies, right, they're made to move. So when you stop moving, you don't just stay where you were, you lose ground. This is getting kind of the heart of what Jesus says, I think, here in in John 15. The Christian life is designed to be a vibrant life, right? A a life of activity where the gospel propels you forward, where you actively join Jesus in the mission he sends you on. But the motive and the source uh, of that vibrant life is not your own effort or strength. It's Jesus himself abiding in Christ is what gives you life. Abiding in him is what pushes you out to truly live. So we're going to see here in John 15, uh, we're going to look at John 15:5. I invite you to turn there if you haven't already, and uh, if you would, just stand with me for the reading of God's word. John 15:5: "I am the vine. you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time just to, to hear from your word. And, and Lord, we, we celebrate your faithfulness uh, to the district church. Uh, we're, we're, it's a joy to just mark this day, mark this occasion. Uh, but Lord, we pray that you, even in the midst of the mix of joy and weariness that, that maybe some of us in this room are feeling, Lord, that you would encourage us to keep abiding, to keep remaining in you, depending upon you, that we might continue to go with you forward, to, to keep living a vibrant life of joy and mission for your glory and for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. Right? So just a little bit of context. Um, you know, if you know, the Gospel of John, what's happening in, in John 15 here. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples in the upper room, right? He's he's washed their feet. He's prepared them for what's about to happen with him. He's promised them the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he's now preparing them to be sent out. Uh, that's the context for, for what he says here. So let's make some observations about the Christian life that we can make from this, this passage. First, the Christian life is a fruitful life. Uh, repeatedly throughout... John 15, verses 1 through 17, the entire passage, Jesus makes it clear that his true disciples live fruitful lives, right? If you abide in Christ, if you truly follow Jesus, you make your home in him, uh, then there will be fruit in your life, right? And you're celebrating some of that fruit today, right? The fruit of of abiding in Christ and the faithfulness of Christ that the district church is here, six baptisms, That's that's glory to God, right? What a gift to, to the, the fruit that he is giving from remaining in him, following him, abiding in him. But conversely to that, this is what Jesus says in verse 6. Um, he, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If there's no fruit in your life, Jesus says it, it's a sign that you're a dead branch. And in verses 2, verses 6, Jesus warns that dead branches, they're, they're cut off, they're discarded, they're, they're burned up. In other, in other words, a Christian is someone who will bear lasting fruit, lasting fruit in their life. And Jesus seems to be saying that, there, that either you are growing in the Christian life, you're bearing fruit, or you are dying, right? The down escalator. The, life is like that down escalator. To stop and do nothing is not to remain in the same place. You're either growing or dying right? Your French leaves you. Uh, your muscles atrophy. You're, you're either growing or dying. Now, when Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing, he's, he's not saying that people who don't know him and don't abide in him are incapable of doing anything or even anything good, right? There, there are a lot of people who don't believe in Jesus who do a lot of things and, and do a lot of even good things. I have unbelieving friends and, and neighbors uh, who are wonderful, Wonderful neighbors, right? Some of the best neighbors. Uh, They're incredible parents. They love their kids very faithfully. They're very thoughtful and kind people. Jesus isn't saying that those who don't know him are incapable of anything or anything good. His point is that you are not going to do anything that has any eternal significance apart from him. You're not going to do anything that is eternally significant apart from him. You're not going to do anything that bears fruit that lasts, eternal fruit. In the end, apart from Jesus, whatever good you do, whatever you accomplish, no matter uh, matter how impressive or wholesome or good it is, right, in the end, Jesus says, it's all going to burn. The Christian life is a fruitful life, and the fruit that it bears lasts. So what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about, right? Is it, is it growing in holiness, increasing Christ-likeness? Well, that's certainly part of it. Is, is the fruit uh, a greater intimacy with the Lord, right? Just this greater experience of his love and, and devotion and just enjoying that love? Well, absolutely, that's part of it. Those are certainly aspects of the fruit that we see in the Christian life and the lives of those who abide in him. But Jesus seems to have a specific fruit in mind throughout the context of this chapter. And the broader context gives us a clue. Look, if you were to scan down verse 16, if you have it open in front of you, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you, right? What, what is it that Jesus has appointed his disciples to do? Right? We, we know, right? What, what is the mission, right? Great Commission, Matthew 28, tells us. The, the, the thing they've been appointed to do is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded, he says to them. That's the, that's, that's the mission. And as John 15 continues, Jesus then immediately starts talking about persecution. He, he talks about persecution that the disciples will face because they are Christ's witnesses. And how that persecution is really a rejection of Christ and not them. And then he says this all the way down at the very end of the chapter, verse 27. And you, will bear, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Right? The specific fruit that Jesus is talking about is the fruit of making disciples. Right? Making disciples, that's the fruit that lasts. Eternal fruit. Other disciples who follow Jesus, who abide in Jesus. And Jesus says that if you abide in him, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. So Christian, your life is not isn't, meant to bear the fruit of making disciples. So the question that kind of is implied here to be asking ourselves uh, this is, is, is this, right? Are, are you seeing that fruit in your life? Right? Is, your, is your life marked by a, a growing compassion for your unbelieving neighbors and coworkers? The people that are kind of in your spheres of of life. Uh, Do you have this growing desire to build relationships, to, to practice hospitality, to invite people into your homes and lives, to share relationship and ultimately to share Jesus with them? Do you have a growing desire to share the good news of the gospel, to tell of Christ's life, death, and resurrection that saves you from sin and death, right? So that they can know that joy too. Do you find yourself praying for people in your life to meet Jesus? Are you having those gospel conversations? Right? I know that that many of you are, but but if it's not on your radar, if it's not on our radar, what does that communicate about us? I'm not saying here, and, and you need to catch this. I'm not saying that living on mission is what makes you a Christian or what saves you. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that making disciples saves you, but it's a sign, it's an evidence, it's a fruit, right? It's, a, it's an evidence that you are a Christian, it's, it's a sign that Jesus truly is your Lord, that you are abiding in him, you're remaining in him, you're following him, and you're actually joining him on the mission that he's called you to. The Christian life is a fruitful life of mission. We see again and again, God calls, God saves, and God sends You see that with God and Abraham in Genesis 12. You see that with God and Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And you see that with Jesus right here, John 15, 16. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. The Christian life is a fruitful life. That's the first observation. A second one, the Christian life is an abiding life. A natural question might be this. If the Christian life is supposed to be a fruitful life of mission, then how do you do that? How do you do that? Am I, am I supposed to just like kind of knuckle down, bear up, like go, just go make that happen right now? Just leave this place all by my own effort and all by my own strength. Just go be on mission. Go love others and make disciples. Is it all on me? Is it all on you to make this happen? No no absolutely not jesus says i am the vine and you are the branches this this is revolutionary what jesus is saying here and, and we need to to not miss what what the significance of that you know the bible is making clear once again like it does all over the place that christianity is not just simply a, some mere religion it's not just a philosophy it's not just a, a way of thinking and living it's something else entirely jesus is pointing to that when he says i am the vine and you are the branches right to to become a christian isn't to s- simply subscribe to a new way, get, way of thinking right uh, to a new way of, of living to become a christian is to have your heart uprooted out of the decaying soil of death and replanted in the fertile life-giving soil of jesus christ is to have the dead branch that you are on your own, apart from Christ, grafted in to the life-giving vine that is Jesus. To have his life flowing into your life, to be intimately connected with him. A branch... A branch doesn't touch the ground, right? You know, all the the soil, the nutrients from the soil, the water that comes from the soil, the branch doesn't have direct access to that. That all comes through the stem, right? It comes through the vine. He's the vine. He's the source of life and and, and everything that we need. We are not connected directly to those things, but we are connected to him. And through him, all those things come flowing into our life. This is the connection that the believer has with Jesus. If the branch is truly joined to the vine, then life comes into it so that it can grow and it can bear fruit. Therefore, if a branch is not growing, it's not bearing fruit, then it it may not actually be truly connected to the stem, to the vine. It might just appear to be. Like, you know, sort of like those dead vines that kind of lay on top of all the, the vines and stuff on my back fence in my backyard. Like some of them appear to be connected, they appear, but then when you go grab them, they just pull right off, right? They're not really a part of it. It might just appear to be joined. It Superficially seems to be joined. Cosmetically seems to be joined. But it's not actually joined. Therefore, life and growth and fruit flow from the actual connection to the branch, to the stem, of the branch to the stem. In other words, for you to experience the life that Jesus gives, to experience growth and transformation that he brings, you can't just simply sort of hover around him and hope that he'll influence you. You have to actually be united to him by faith. You've got to have the Holy Spirit come into your heart and into your life and renew you, revive you. You have to be united with Christ by faith, by this complete giving of yourself to him in faith. Right, Going through the motions won't cut it. Right? Going to church, reading your Bible, praying, these are all good things that we should do. But simply doing things that we check off a checklist does not connect us to the vine. Right? Those, those could be superficial. That could just be cosmetic. They're good things. That, again, I'm not saying you should read your Bible. You should come to church. You should worship together. You should pray. But if we're simply doing them to check it off like, okay, we did what we're supposed to do, we're missing something. You have to actually have your heart, your life joined to Jesus by faith. If you're not a Christian here today, right, you have to come to the place where you see I, you know, I have nothing on my own. My doing, anything that I could possibly do is not enough. I cannot come to church enough. I cannot read my Bible enough. I cannot pray enough. I cannot serve enough to make myself right with God. There is nothing I can do. I, I have absolutely nothing to do, to do that I can do i need jesus right i need jesus's life live for me i need jesus's death for my sin in my place i need jesus's resurrection to be my newness of life to save me from sin and death i have nothing without him and so i need to give myself completely to him in faith having your life joined to jesus in faith the way is the way that you grow right the way that you see fruit in your life is to continue to abide in him and only by participating in the very life of the Godhead, by being grafted into that vine, truly connected, can you escape that down escalator. But here's the thing, like when that happens, you don't just get more energy so you can run harder, right? you fly up. You just fly up. You escape the, the dying and the decay by abiding in Christ. So what does it mean to abide, right? The... You know remain in him maybe your translation abide in him uh, the idea kind of carries with it this visual of, of, of making your home in Jesus like dwelling in him but in the context here it really jumps out that it means to depend upon him to depend upon him just as the branch depends on the vine for life you and I are to depend on Jesus and Jesus gives some hints of what that looks like in the larger context four specific acts aspects here of Abiding in him are pointed to throughout John 15 first. He says in verse 7 if you abide in me and, and my words abide in you Right. The first thing he is pointing to is that that we are to abide in his word So what does that look like? Again, it, it's one thing that you know have a Bible reading plan and Bible reading plans are great but again if it's just a checkbox that we're doing we're not going deep enough, right? It's one thing to read the Bible for inspiration or, or even to get doctrinal information, but it's another thing to truly abide in God's word and let it abide in you. Colossians 3.16, Paul talks about letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The psalmist, in Psalm 119.103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. To abide in the word means to feed on it to digest it, to let it come in and be a part of you, right, to be a part of you. It means to depend on God's Word to bring you life, to absorb its nutrients, to let it feed you and, and fill you and shape you and renew you and transform your mind and the way you think. It's more than just reading, it's studying, right? It's even more than that, it's thinking deeply upon it. Just thinking on it throughout your day. It's praying the Bible back to God, praying the Psalms back to God. It's memorizing scripture and planting that deep within your heart. How, how encouraging would it be for you, if you haven't done this already, to memorize Romans chapter 8? Just plant it within your heart. That whenever you're, you're faced with temptation or you fall in your sin, you can just have that right there in your heart to remind you and to reassure you and point you right back to Jesus in repentance and faith. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is, is at work in your mortal bodies, giving life to your mortal bodies that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. How encouraging is that to just have God's word planted within you, that you can just go to it, you can anchor your soul upon it abide in it. That's what it, it would look like to, to dwell in the word, right? To let the word dwell in you richly, to abide in his words. The second aspect of abiding is that Jesus mentions is prayer. That's what the second half of verse 7 is, is referencing, when it says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, And then this is not Jesus saying, hey, God is your cosmic vending machine. Just go press in the buttons of what you want, and he just shoot it right out to you. That's not what that's meaning. But as you abide in Christ, you abide in his words, what happens? His desires become your desires. What he wants becomes what you want. And so you find your prayers asking whatever you will in the name of Christ to be asking for whatever he wills. And he delights to answer those prayers, to give you the answers that that he wants, that he wants to work in and through you. God's word shapes your prayers to to pray in that sort of way. You find yourself praying more for unbelieving neighbors, that God would open their hearts to faith. Praying to just have more of Christ for yourself, to just know him more, to more deeply experience his love and his grace. Praying for your children to know Christ. And for their future spouses to know Christ, and for their future children to know Christ. You know, Jonathan Edwards, the, the great kind of American theologian, uh, uh, preacher, uh, was known to pray for up to four or five generations of his family not yet arrived on a regular basis, praying for them. Abiding in Christ right in his word will result in prayerful listening to God that shapes your asking to reflect his heart and his desire for his glory to be known. The third aspect is abiding in his love in verse 9. Right, you see that there. You, you realize that, that the moment you put your faith in Jesus, at the moment you did that, everything that is true of Jesus became true of you. Do you believe that? His life becomes your life. His death to sin becomes your death to sin. His resurrection becomes your newness of life. And through faith in Christ, you're adopted into the family of God as God's beloved child, his son, his daughter. There is now no condemnation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in him. Remembering this, living in this, depending on his love, begins to transform and reshape you in every way to actually live like a child of God, to look more and more like a child of God. You abide in that and you remember you're not your sin this past week. You're God's beloved child. You're not your failure to live on mission this past week. You're the righteousness of God. His perfection clothes you. You're not your performance, good or bad. You're in Christ, and His finished work is what defines you before the throne of God. And that's all that matters. Now, you need to understand this, that God's love for you like, doesn't grow. Right? The moment you believe, like, it, it, even before you believe, it, it doesn't change. Like, His love for you is constant. It doesn't grow. His love doesn't grow for you as you abide in his love. You're as loved by God the, the day you first trust in him as you will ever be. You're as forgiven and as delighted in by God that first day as you will ever be. Think about that for a little bit. Maybe think about that for a lot. Um, That doesn't change. But here's what changes. As you abide in his love, you, you start living off of it, and your awareness of his love is what grows. Your awareness of how much he loves you is what grows. Your appreciation, your enjoyment of his love is what grows. And the more that that grows, the more it shapes you to live out of that love. And to extend that love to others. And this leads directly into that that fourth aspect, right? His love will propel us to to love others as he tells us to, right? The the fourth aspect that Jesus mentions here in verse 10 is is gospel-motivated obedience. That's how we abide in Christ. We obey him. We obey his commandments. Jesus says that obedience and abiding in his love are actually connected together. They're intertwined. Uh, that as you live in His love for you, you will delight to do what He says. That as you do what He says, you'll see that His commandments are actually good and loving. They're, they're a sign of His love, pushing you deeper into His love for you. And as you step out in faith to, to love others and, and join Him on mission, you'll find that, that He's with you as you do that, as He promised. No matter the response, no matter what someone's response is to, as you obey him, his love for you is unwavering. The willingness of Christ to be rejected for you is what will propel you to be willing to be rejected for his sake. And even like Paul, the Apostle Paul, to consider it a joy to share in the sufferings of Christ. As you think on Christ's willingness to endure the cross for the joy that was set before him, as you consider Jesus who endured such hostility, yet considered it joy to keep moving forward in his sovereign gracious plan, that is what will enable you to not grow weary or faint hearted. Hebrews 12. How do you abide in Christ? You depend upon his word, you depend upon him in prayer. You depend upon his gracious love, and you depend upon him as you step out in active, obedient faith. Not just a moment here or a moment there, but moment by moment, directing and redirecting your heart and your mind constantly back onto Christ in his word and prayer, remembering his love, stepping out in obedience to live for Christ in every way. You do that, and you will experience an ever-deepening connection to Jesus. And through that connection, you will see increasing fruit. Not always the way you anticipate to see increasing fruit, but you will see increasing fruit. The fruit of holiness, the fruit of godly character, greater affection for Christ, the fruit of of living on mission and seeing disciples made and growing as Jesus works in and through you. And this shows us all together that the Christian life is a vibrant life. It's a vibrant life. It's not a passive life. It's not stopping on the down escalator and just expecting something, right? It's, it's, it, there's active activity here. It's not a life of just sitting back waiting for something to happen or, or to move you. But it's, but it's also not a life where it's all on you to make things happen. John 15 is clear. God is the one who is the source of life and growth. He's the one who supplies the fruit. You don't. it's also clear that we have work to do we have work to do in this as well we're called to a vibrant life an active life a a fully alive life of abiding in christ but it's not an easy life and verse 2 makes that really clear right it tells us that god in verse 2 he's a gardener and like a good gardener he has gardening shears and he cuts off the dead branches that don't bear fruit But listen, he also prunes back, he cuts back the branches that do bear fruit. In other words, every branch gets cut. No branch remains the same and unchanged. Every branch gets cut. There's a pastor named Sam Albury who said this. He says, there will be times when it will feel like God is killing you. There will be times when it feels like he's pruning you far too harshly. The blades will be very sharp, but Jesus wants you to see that the person holding them is unfailingly kind and good. We must must remember that when it feels that way, when we feel the pain, that God is cutting us back. He's doing so that we might grow, that we might bear more fruit for our good. Christian life is not an easy life. It's not a life where every day is a Friday or a Saturday morning where we're just going to stay in our PJs and sleep in. And all the parents and young children are like, what is that even? Uh, Someday they will be teenagers and you'll have to wake them up, I promise you. Um, The Christian life can be very difficult. It can be wearisome. But even so, it is intended to be a vibrant life. And the vibrancy comes from abiding in Christ Rest is an essential part of this life. Rest is an essential part of this life, but not rest in the way that we think of it. Not rest like the Lazy Saturday in our PJs where we have just nothing on the agenda to do but veg out and fill ourselves with screens and entertainment and and whatever. But rest in the Bible has in mind, the the rest of the Bible has in mind is, is essential that is essential is resting in Christ, abiding in his word, abiding in prayer, abiding in his love. It's an act of rest. Like when we engage in those things, even in the midst of long days of parenting and work and school and mission and pouring into others for the sake of the gospel, even in the midst of all that, God invites you right now to find rest in him. And even in your weariness to experience the vibrant life that comes to you from abiding in him. Friends, when you get to the end of your life, you don't want to be saying things like, I wish I would have prayed with my spouse more. I wish I would have spent more intentional time pouring God's word into my children. I wish I would have shared the gospel with my friend who needed to hear it. You don't wanna be saying those things to yourself. If you get to the end of your life and you're like, man, I didn't get to watch every episode of Downton Abbey. I, had, I didn't watch through the office for like the fifth time. I only got through four. I don't think you're really gonna care about those things. But if you get to the end of your life and you find yourself regretting, not doing the very things you were created and saved to do, that will be the true tragedy. That will be the real tragedy. God saves us and he sends us to live for his glory. He calls us to abide in him and and live vibrant lives of faith, bearing much fruit. You know, Jesus has many people in the city of Indianapolis that are his people that do not yet know him. Your neighbors, your coworkers, maybe even some of your own family members, right? His people, he's called you, he saved you, he's sending you, you must abide. Abide in him and you will bear much fruit. When you're tired, when you're weary, when it feels like he's pruning you back too painfully, think upon Jesus, who wasn't just cut back, but was completely cut off for your sake. That you might only be cut back. Let his love for you, his grace for you, move you to press into him, to abide in him, and live for him a vibrant life in every way possible for his glory and your joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're we're grateful uh for this time to celebrate your faithfulness, your goodness uh to the district church um over these past five years. Lord, we praise God for the work that you're doing in and through this body of believers, the work that you're doing in the hearts in this room. Lord, would you help us to be people who press into you, people who abide in your word and in prayer and in your love and abide and depend upon you as we step out in obedient faith. Would you give us the rest that we truly need, not the rest we think is rest, but the rest that renews us and invigorates us and and, and enables us to truly enjoy you and live for you. And God, would you bear much fruit through this church for your glory and for the joy of many people we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our
1: sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at infothedistrict.church? At